0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. JT Van Gilders here. JT, uh, how are you covering from yesterday?
1: Well, you know, the Chiefs winning helped a little bit. If the yeah. 49ers can beat the Seahawks tonight, I'll be in a pretty good mood. But uh, yeah. otherwise, uh, yeah, that was I saw that, that was uh, definitely uh, rough.
0: I saw DJ Reed just got a pick in that game. So that's cool. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, yeah, sure. Good <laughs> for the Seahawks, I
0: suppose. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Happy to welcome the site manager of Cowboys Ride for Free, Micah Allen. Micah, thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: You know, It was, it was a bit of a tough Saturday for both teams. Kansas State got dominated in uh, pretty much every way on the field. Lost the turnover battle, lost the yardage battle and everything. Oklahoma State was quite a bit different in that they kind of dominated the game in a lot of ways. I think the yardage was very much in their favor, but they... Uh, At some costly turnovers. Texas has special teams touchdown. So, you know, obviously, a lot of you look at that. There's some luck involved, but, you know, at the same time, that has kind of been a consistent issue for Oklahoma State. They're dead less than the conference and turnover margin. So, as Oklahoma State fans, you know, do you look at that as as a fluke or kind of just your weaknesses coming back to bite you a little bit?
2: It's definitely weaknesses. Spencer Sanders is a roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. No, he does these really great moments and then turnovers happen but you know at the same time the next play he'll bring it in himself for a touchdown so you're like well I mean (laughs) um but it's definitely it's definitely something that that comes to bite them and it could have cost them more than it did against Iowa State you know so those turnovers are contributing to a significant portion of opponents points so you don't want that so it's definitely something that they they're going to have any shot of winning out. They're gonna have to work on that turnover margin and ball security.
0: Yeah, and K State leads the conference in turnover margin. It, it really seems like K State's gonna probably need to win the turnover battle to, to win this game, don't you think, JT?
1: Yeah, and really, that's you know what one of the big things that I think killed them against West Virginia here this past weekend was you know, we're first time I think all season that we were on the, the negative side of the turnover battle and three picks, no recoveries, you know, nothing like that is, is not a way that the K-State's going to, you know, win ballgames. I just don't have the kind of talent to overcome, you know, those kind of setbacks. So, so yeah, if, if K-State's winning this week, they're up on the, the turnover margin, right? Mm-hmm. They were against Oklahoma and TCU, et cetera. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And the cats are, uh, 11-point underdogs at home, but honestly, I don't have a lot of complaints about that this week after the game in West Virginia. Uh, We'll see. Uh, And then, you know, the other thing, Micah, I mentioned that there was the kickoff return touchdown. Is that something that Oklahoma State has had a problem with? Because that would also be good news for Kansas State.
2: No, that's the first one of those that we've seen in a while. When that happened, I was like, because of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, after that, that really put the momentum, say, there was something like 15 and three as far as scoring differential after that. And so that just really, I feel like broke the confidence of the team a little bit. But like I said, it that's not something that tends to happen. And that might have been why it threw them off so much is that that's not something that we've seen happen recently. so.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, facing Oklahoma State, I feel like the first thing you got to look at is, and we were talking about this a little bit last week, there aren't a whole lot of wide receivers that are great in the Big 12 this year. But Tylon Wallace is just kind of uh, up in a class of his own. You know, he's got 158 more yards than anybody else. Uh, how much better is he than any every other receiver in the Big 12, do you think?
2: Just just go ahead and give him the Belenikoff. <laughs> Please, I mean there are it doesn't matter whether he's in double coverage or not you know he's going to do what he needs to do to come down with the football um, which is amazing and I think that's I think that Spencer has a bit of an issue with honing in on him too much focusing in on him too much because I feel like he's really confident in Thailand's you know, I, I I said all that stuff about Thailand, but at the same time, you know, that's not always a good idea. If, if he's covered, you know, as much as he tends to be, then sometimes it's not a great idea to throw it his way. But, you know, I think he's so good that Spencer's like, I'm just going to throw it to Tylan because I know he's going to be able to do what he needs to do to catch it. And so I think that that's, that's huge. Oklahoma State's really lucky to have Tylan and for him to come back for a second year and... I just I can't say enough good things about the kid from you know on the field to off the field he's a really good human being too and you don't tend to see that a whole lot so you know a football player absolute monster and then he's also just a really great guy so I gonna miss him a lot when he's no longer on the team
0: yeah and I would say kind of especially at the wide receiver position those guys tend to be kind of cocky sometimes and you know always open that sort of thing but mm-hmm. uh yeah, I and mean, you were talking about the how how good he is at coming up with balls in traffic, but you know what amazes me kind of was when I watch Oklahoma State is how often he gets wide open. Still, I mean, is that just him running routes well, or is that schemes, or you know, how does a guy that good still get that open frequently?
2: I think a part of it has to do with the fact that you know you've got Chuba, so you kind of are forcing defenses yeah. to pick their poison, and you know we saw it Saturday with Texas. It's you know, this dilemma of, well, do we want to cover the number one, ride or you know, the one of the best running backs in the Big 12, or do we want to cover one of the best receivers in the Big 12? It's kind of a, a pick-your-poison situation, which is why I think Thailand is, um, you know, I, I tweet all the time, <laughs> leaving Thailand Wallace wide open does not seem like a good a good idea, yeah. but people still do it. <laughs> and like I said, I think it comes mm-hmm. down to you just don't have enough personnel to cover both of them and i think a lot of the times they choose chuba because you know the rush defense in the big 12 i guess tends to be a little bit better than the pass protection Mm -hmm. so so, you know it's it just comes down to the fact that we have some really 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 talented weapons on offense that they can't cover all of them
0: and is that kind of why then chuba's having a little bit of a down year by his standards and you know particularly yesterday i think Said it was his worst uh, average yards per carry in his career, right?
2: Yes. Um. You know, I think defensive coordinators are figuring out Chuba Hubbard. You know, last year he came out of – and so people were just like, what do we do about this guy? But now they've kind of figured him out, and he's not able to, to be as much of a threat as he once was. I mean, he still he still is a threat, and he will still – push off a defender and you know he's really good at yards after you know yards after and things like that so you know he's still good you know he's just had a bit of a like you said a bit of a down year for his stand mm-hmm. you know the crazy off season. I think that right. has a little bit to do with it him mm-hmm. and Spencer you know you have to you have to think about the fact that this Spencer hasn't technically played a full season yet And so, you know, you've got that where, you know, they're still, I think they're still kind of learning each other a bit and, you know, getting used to each other. And with the short offseason, that doesn't help. So I think it's a lot of different factors, but I think mostly it comes down to the fact that teams are figuring out what to do about him. And also offensive line play has not been as good as it was supposed to be. There are some guys that unexpectedly – had to, you know, retire due to injury and things like that. So we didn't have as, we don't have a seasoned of an offensive line as we were planning on, I think. And so I think that has a big part to play in it too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so JT, I mean, how would you expect the Kansas State defense to try to cover two dynamic playmakers like that? And especially if AJ Parker is still out. Although at this point, John would want me to mention that Justin Gardner, by some indications, has been the better corner this year. I think we can both agree that K-State coach would still put A.J. Parker on Tylen Willis if, if A.J. is healthy. But, you know, how do you think that's going to play out for the K-State defense?
1: Well, you know, I actually I disagree with you. I, I mean, I, like, I, I think they'll stick with the plan of keeping Gardner on the outside, even if Parker's healthy. I mean, he's been really good in that nickel back slot. But they do a lot of passing off on coverage. They don't – I would have noticed that it's not like – you know, Gardner follows a guy around. They're still pretty solid on letting a guy play a half the field and doing, you know, like, like flipping the outside corners, but not really, you know, sending Gardner into the slot. So if, if Wallace moves into the slot position, then yeah, Parker will get him. But you know, I definitely think you want to keep Justin Gardner on a guy like that, even though he did get burned a few times against West Virginia. But I, I, I think that's the model that you'll be looking for against Oklahoma State is, Especially what they did in the second half against West Virginia, who wasn't, you know, to their, you know, at that point they were up and they they didn't need to attack quite as much downfield. But Mm -hmm. but you're just gonna have to realize that you know Hubbard's gonna get his yards uh, whether you like it or not, just like Letty Brown did. And so you you mitigate it as much as possible, and then you just prevent the big plays. You know, you don't let them go over the top, which is a you know a thing they actually had issues with against West Virginia was letting them get over the top. And was not an issue that they'd had against anybody else. I mean, even Oklahoma, who has mm-hmm. some good talent out there, they weren't letting them get over the top. And so that'll be the thing is preventing Wallace from getting over the top and preventing Hubbard from getting past that, you know, that that second level, like he may get, you know, five to 10 yards a carry, but he's not going to get, you know, 15 to 20 yards a carry. So you're just going to have to realize that, like, yeah, he's going to get some yards, but you just got to keep him from making that game breaking play force Oklahoma state into those short fields make sanders you know be more precise over the course of a game and then yeah force somebody to you know in, into a turnover whether that's sanders or you know, you know causing a fumble or something you just got to get create some sort of momentum play on the defense
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah sanders did have the two picks last year in stillwater but wasn't wasn't good enough. K State still lost that game. That uh, game sucked. Yeah, Was that, that game.
1: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Wet and nasty. <laughs> yeah.
0: But then, you know, Mike, the other thing you gotta think about with, with Spencer, of course, is he's gonna run a little bit. He looked good on that the long run to set up the third touchdown yesterday. Uh, you know, does he do enough of that to be a guy that you might have to spy like K did against KU, or is that just more of a kind of when needed type thing,
2: so I, Spencer is very mobile, he almost if you want him to, he can almost be a third running back you know he 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 definitely has the potential to run, and you know if all of his options are out, he can take the ball and run it himself and so I think that you know having a spy on him is certainly not a bad idea. Do I think that you know it's something that you you have to do? you can get away with not having a spy on him unless you know it it comes to a point where you know he is just having a you know phenomenal day on his legs and so you 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 might stick a spy on him but I, I don't think it's necessarily something that you you have to do I don't think that he's I don't. I wouldn't call him a running quarterback, if that makes sense. He's definitely athletic, yeah. and he can definitely he, he definitely can be a double threat.
1: I say, from what little I've seen, it, it reminds me, you know, like an older version of of Spentler Rattler, in that he's he's going to try to to win the thing with his arm, but he's got that athleticism that he can break, you know, decent runs. But yeah, he's not going to be like trying to run first.
0: And then I was, kind of wanted to ask about Oklahoma State's quarterback situation because. You know, Spencer was hurt a little bit. and Initially, they brought in, I believe it was a Ethan Bullock. And I watched some of that game against Tulsa. He looks pretty terrible. It was the worst I've seen Oklahoma State offense look in a while. But then they brought in Ellingworth, and he seemed to sort of get him going and do pretty well. And, you know, only threw one interception, it looks like. I mean, were there any talks amongst the fans or coaches about Ellingworth getting closer to that number one spot when, when Sanders came
2: back? Or... <laughs> There was talk that they were gonna that they were gonna play against Iowa State and you know I think most of that was coaches speak. You don't necessarily wanna come out and say who your quarterback is gonna be if there's potential that one of them is injured and not necessarily gonna play, you know, you wanna kinda keep that under wraps. So I think that part of that was, you know, pulling the smoke over Iowa State's eyes. And I think part of it was that You know, but I do think it's something that they've thought about. I just don't think it's something that they've thought about super hard enough to where they're like, we might actually implement this. Um, Did a fantastic job. But, you know, you know, during the game yesterday, there was a lot of bench Spencer. Why are we still letting him play? And, you know, you you have to think about the fact that Spencer is much more mobile than Illingworth can think about being and you know one of our writers made a point in our group chat it's like do you really want the immobile six six this texas pass rush i don't i don't think so um and so you know spencer spencer <laughs> brings spencer brings something to the table that illingworth just doesn't have yet and so i i don't necessarily think that there was ever a threat of you know spencer losing his job once he came back you know i think that it was always the intention to keep Spencer starting and, you know, that way, you know, you can, you can kind of keep Ellingworth in your back pocket and, you know, not <laughs> give teams more film on them than you give more teams, more film on them than you need to and things like that. So, you know, they both have their things that they're good at. You know, I th- I will say that Illingworth does seem to be a better passer than Spencer. I think he, I think he's got a better arm, but you know, like I said, there's just, it's hard to describe it. There's just something that Spencer has, that Illingworth just hasn't gotten yet. And, you know, so I think that the reason why, you know, Spencer is starting and, you know, I think part of it was, you know, you see that whenever he makes mistakes and gets those turnovers, the next play is a touchdown, you know, that, that he contributes to, you know, whether it be a really good dime of a pass or, you know, he runs it in and for a touchdown, he, he doesn't let those mistakes get to him. I don't think he doesn't seem shaken, you know, as opposed to, I, I think, think that if Illingworth were to make those kind of mistakes, because he's a freshman. So I think that, you know, at this point, that they want to stick with Spencer.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can certainly relate to some of that you're saying. First of all, the you know, the coaches and injuries, we saw Chris Kleiman pretend that Skylar Thompson was going to maybe play when he ended up staying home and getting surgery that weekend. So a great example of that. And then JT, I mean, it sounded kind of familiar when I would say Will Howard at least looks like he's a better passer than Skylar Thompson a lot of the time, but Skylar does kind of seem to have that that factor that Will maybe hasn't quite mastered yet as a true freshman.
1: Is that fair to say? Yeah, and we've talked about this a little bit on and off air, but I think he, like Will Howard's like, in terms of just being a pure quarterback, like if, you know, empty field where it's just you and the receivers, I think Will Howard is a better quarterback and Skylar Thompson, but Skylar, I think, you know, and a lot of this has to do with their point in their careers, but right now Skylar Thompson is definitely a better leader. Uh, He's got that experience. He's got that, that fire. He plays with a lot more passion. And so in some ways, it's been really great. You know, we've seen that against the two games against Oklahoma these last two games against Oklahoma, where, you know, that, that passion led to upset victories, but we've also seen where that can go the opposite way and, a great example of that was the Oklahoma State game last year where he just, you know, he seemed down, he seemed off, and that kind of fed the rest of the team, and it just things never kind of went right. And I think we saw a little bit of that from Will Howard, you know, against West Virginia, especially after that third pick that went for a touchdown. Um, and I think at that point the offense really turtled and, and just kind of said, okay, well, this isn't our day, and and let's move on. But, but I mean, there's still a lot of good – you know to like about Will Howard, and he's still real young. I think you know if both guys were healthy, I'd still rather have Skylar at this point, just because of that that leadership, that experience. But you know we're we're still in a good place with Will Howard, but it's going to be tough. And we're, we're I think there's still going to be moments like that, even even this year, where you know it's patently obvious that we've got a, a true freshman kid that just turned nineteen a couple weeks ago as the starting quarterback, and it's you know, it'll, it'll be rough and Oklahoma state may be able to do some more things to rattle him. Then again, you know, maybe those things don't affect him at home and we can pull off uh, essentially a stunning upset this mm-hmm. week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing I want to talk about the Oklahoma state offenses, you know, Shuba is obviously the, the feature back, but LD Brown has put up some pretty decent numbers too. With was 262 rushing yards, about six yards per carry looks pretty good in the open field as a receiver. And I've seen, you know, what does he add to this offense?
2: A way that Chuba can get some rest, um, <laughs> you know, someone to kind of take the load off of Chuba and, you know, just as effective, you know, I, I don't necessarily think Chuba has the receiving skills that L D Brown has, which is really nice. It's so really nice to have a running back that you can throw to and know that he's going to catch it. Agreed. And I think that, you know, He just adds another another dimension to the things running back that can catch the ball and can be a receiver for you, as well as, you know, make some solid runs, you know, evade tackles and things like that. And, you know, I think that it's important to have, you know, a couple of different options at running back, obviously, you know, I think Oklahoma State for a while has kind of had that one every down back, you know, before Chuba, Mm -hmm. it was just this hill. And, you know, having that back that can share the load is really nice. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Makes sense. All right. Well, yeah, we'll talk about the Oklahoma State defense. Quick, First, we'll take a quick commercial break. And we're back. So, you know, the big story, I think, for Oklahoma State this year has been that, that defense has been so good. So, Mike, what do you think? This is the best Oklahoma State defense since when?
2: Um, I mean, at least since I have been paying attention to OSU football, which is since 2014, or I guess really late 2013, you know, I think that this defense is legit. They're the real deal. After the game Saturday, where somebody was like, national media is going to try to say that because of this game, you know, Oklahoma State's defense isn't what they said they were and things like that. But, you know, Really, the only points that they get, they gave up two touchdowns, and that was pretty much it. The rest of them were off of turnovers, you know, which isn't necessarily the defense's fault. And, you know, I think that this game was not necessarily a good view of who they are. You know, they are finally, you know, this is what we are wanting to see from Jim Knowles. You know, he's in his third year, he's got, you know, all of his guys he's able to do what he wants to do on defense now because he has you know his talent and things like that And a third year is really important and I think that Jim Knowles has taken that seriously as far as you know defensive packages and things like that another big thing about this defense is there's quite a bit of experience you know you had a lot of returners this year with guys like Trey Sterling who has been awesome and guys like eminah Amiga and malcolm rodriguez and you know just there's a lot of guys on this defense that have quite a bit of experience which which is always it's i think is always going to show in production and play so
0: yeah yeah and it seems to me and correct me if i'm wrong but the, the most formidable part of this defense is that secondary you've got Trey Sterling, like you said, and he's leading the team in tackles. Colby Harville Peel is a, you know, the season, first team, all Big 12 guy. Lili Rodarius Williams has been solid. You know, is is that the kind of the strength of this group, would you say?
2: A lot strength, kind of all over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but that secondary, I think, is definitely the main, I think, shining point of the defense. Just because, you know, you've got the leading guy on the team in tackles in that part of the defense. I think that that's super important. And, you know, but at the same time, we've got guys on the D-line that that can rush. They're not giving up as many big plays, which is something that has kind of plagued them for a while now. You know, I, I think that they have, I can think of like maybe three or four big plays that they've given up all season. And so I think that there's, there's shining points all over. But the main I think the main highlight is the secondary for
1: sure. I was actually surprised to see that Oklahoma State's tied for first right now in the Big Twelve in Sacks by a team. Yeah. But then they're they're only sixth with three interceptions. Which, you know so like the secondary is, is really solid and they're you know really strong, but they're just not creating those disruptive plays, which isn't a bad thing, but they're definitely getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback which definitely helps the secondary look better
0: Mm -hmm. and and it makes sense when you've got a secondary that can probably lock down pretty well man covers that gives you the chance to to send more guys and get to the quarterback more often i would imagine
1: yeah yeah i'd I'd be interested to see how many of those sacks are coverage sacks you know the the quarterback's just holding it forever because there's nobody to throw to
0: Mm -hmm. and one thing i wanted to, to point out with the you know, say State's got a defensive back leading the team in tackles, and I'm I'm sure it's not a situation like KU where at least when K-State played them, their leading tackler was a cornerback, which is normally bad news for the rest of your defense. Not, not so much the case here. But I don't know. Micah, do you have any thoughts on what JT was talking about? Are, are you seeing a lot of coverage sacks, or is it guys bursting too quickly?
2: Not necessarily. I don't think that it's – an aspect of quarterbacks having to hold the ball too long because there's no one to throw to, but I, I think it's just just speed. You know, I think that they're just able to get there quick and you know get the quarterback before he can even necessarily think about what he's going to do. Sometimes guys like Trace Ford have that athleticism to get to the quarterback quickly, which is what I've seen. But I haven't necessarily seen the sacks because the quarterback's holding the ball too long necessarily.
0: Okay. Okay. And then one matchup that'll be interesting if K State can can move the ball a little bit and get to the red zone. K State's got the number one red zone offense in the conference. I think they're still 100 percent right now. Oklahoma State though has the number one red zone defense. They've only give up given up six touchdowns and 14 trips to the red zone for opponents. You know what do you think that matchup's going to look like? And you know why does Oklahoma State do so well in, on the red zone defense?
2: That's going to be interesting for sure. You know, I don't. I don't think they've had a ton of situations where they've had to, you know, face a team that is just really good in the red zone. You know, they've been fairly successful in keeping teams from even converting on third down, so they haven't really done a whole lot in the red zone. So it surprises me that they're the number one red zone defense. But you know, I think that it, it's just going to come down to you know, locking in, you know, making sure that all the bases are covered and, you know, you, you know what your job is and hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. keep them from the red zone would be great, <laughs> you know, but when you do get down to the red zone, it's just about, you know, kind of locking in and focusing and, you know, making sure that you, you have that, that execution and that the play goes the way that it was supposed to, and you don't, you know, miss something. And then all of a sudden he's around you in then end zone, you know, so it's just about, yeah. just about locking in and making sure people are covered.
0: Yeah. And then this is kind of a, a worrisome stat, I think, for K-State fans. Uh, you know, Kansas State's been pretty terrible with third downs, both sides of the ball. Oklahoma State's offense has been solid, but the defense is opponent third down conversion percentage is 18%. And the number two team in the Big 12 is Oklahoma at 31%. So that's a pretty substantial margin. Is that, are they forcing long third downs or – Are they just really locking down on third down plays?
2: So in the Texas game, a lot of it was Texas shooting themselves in the foot and creating their own long third downs, (laughs) you know, but they, they definitely are, you know, creating those, those long situations. And it's also just whenever they do have, you know, a long third down, it's just making sure that, you know, they're getting to the quarterback and making, tackles quickly and you know they've been doing a lot of you know blitzing we've seen some of that from journals that has been fairly effective I think and so it's been a mixture of you know creating those situations but also just whenever they are in a situation where they didn't necessarily create a long third down but they're in you know a a mid-range to to shorter third down it's it's just been being able to get to house the ball kind of being able to see what they're going to see what the offense is going to do and being able to counteract it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And then, JT, from a K State perspective, I would say certainly, you know, the shaky quarterback play and the, the, the tendency of the wide receivers to drop a lot of passes are, are key ingredients for failing on third downs. But, you know, what does K State need to do to get better? And then, you know, on the defensive side as well, especially yesterday, struggled. they struggled and gave up, I think, six of the first nine
1: conversions attempts that that West Virginia had they made it I know It's just got to get back to our identity on offense and get the ball to, to Deuce Vaughn any way you can and get you know get things moving on the ground I felt like just to try to air it out way too much you know early on right. which you know we're trying to break tendency and I understand that and I understand what they're trying to do from the offensive game plan I just don't feel like you know, when it was obvious it wasn't working early on, they just kept trying to do it. And I would have much rather have seen them, you know, switch that up and say, okay, well, breaking tendency is not working. Let's go back to what we're good at. And then create some situations where you can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands a lot faster. You know, West Virginia was very successful on those slant routes. And I, you know, we've begged for that for years, even after Snyder left and we brought in a new coordinator and, and everything that, it's like, you know, give us some slant passes, give us some quick outs, something that the quarterback doesn't have to think very long. The receiver doesn't have to create a whole lot of separation. You know, the O-line doesn't have to block for very long. Just something where you get the ball out of out of their hands quick. And then, you know, you, even if it's only picking up five or six yards, it's still five or six yards positive. And if you can do that every play, that's a pretty consistent first down. So, but yeah, then you've got to stay out of third and longs. We are abysmal offense and defense on third down. (laughs) That's uh, pretty much the bane of our existence at this point is third down. So uh, (laughs) it doesn't matter which unit it is. If if we're on third down, it's it's probably not going our way. So on offense, get out of third and longs. on defense, you know, got to get out of that third and short. Got to keep them from getting that, you know, that third third down conversion, that killed us against West Virginia. It's killed us in the past. When we can prevent, you know, sustained drives, giving up those third and longs, then they do a lot better. So that's, that's, that's really – we just got to get back to what we're good at, running the ball, getting the ball to, to Deuce Vaughn any way you can, and hopefully have, you know, Malik Knowles start catching more passes.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. And so – You know, looking ahead, uh, thanks to Oklahoma State's, let's call it generous, uh, Kansas State is still tied for first in the Big 12 with Iowa State. But, you know, we talked about that line. I think that kind of indicates where these teams are right now, and rightly so, in the eyes of a lot of people. Uh, So it's Oklahoma State. I mean, given the caveat that it is 2020 and anything can happen, but how heavy of Big 12 favorites right now are Oklahoma State, Nyga?
2: Hmm. To like win, to win the whole thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Say to win the whole thing. Hmm.
2: I, I think they have just as good a shot as an Iowa State or a K-State. You know, I think that those three teams have fairly even odds to That's nice of you to, say. to be able to, yeah. to be able to, <laughs> to be able to win. You know, I think that at this point, you know, it is 2020, this year has been insane and anything I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is going to depend on these last few weeks of the season because I believe I believe Iowa State has a fairly tough slate coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, K State certainly does. They have they have the benefit of the fact that they've already played OU, and so has K State, and Oklahoma State hasn't, mm-hmm. and we know how Bedlam tends to go.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you know. Do you at think this Oklahoma point,
0: State matches up better this year?
2: Oh, you? Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I have my, I have my reservations about saying anything good when it comes to the okay. Dublin game, because <laughs> it always comes back to bite me, you know, but I, I think that, you know, these last few weeks of this season are going to be really, really telling. Cause let's see, Iowa state's got Baylor, K state, Texas and West Virginia. You know, I mean, the the three teams that have the chance to be the second team in the Big 12 championship all kind of play each other in these next few weeks. So I think at this point, it's really anybody's opportunity to go and grab it. You know, it certainly doesn't help that, that Texas all certainly doesn't help anything. So, you know, if Iowa state were to beat Texas, then Oklahoma state loses the the head to head there. And then if Oklahoma State doesn't win Bedlam, K State and Iowa State both have the head to head there. So, mm-hmm. you know, their chances actually might thinking about it, their chances might not look as good. So we'll just have to see what happens, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then so the next thing I wanted to ask you, and I'll I'll try to ask this nicely, but uh, so Mike Gundy, obviously a great football coach. He's done a lot of good things for Oklahoma State, but he's done some things off the field, particularly this off season, that have you kind know, of generated some negative press. The OAN stuff and some, of the, you know, saying some things. I, I imagine that be something like the Chiefs fans' relationship with Tyree Kill, maybe. But you know, what what's that relationship like with the fan base and, and Mike Mike Gundy right now?
2: I think he's on fairly thin ice. Are kind of just over it, and you know, nothing really shocks the fan base anymore. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, he does have a good reputation as far as you know on the field he has a fairly good reputation on the field but in the past few years the on the field reputation hasn't necessarily been up to snuff either so you know it's it's become kind of this combo of you're not a super great human being off the field, and your on the field production isn't as good. So you know you're you're on pretty thin ice, buddy. So okay. I think the fan base is to the point where they want to be loyal because Gundy has been there so long, but at the same time they are really tired of a <laughs> losing to Oklahoma every year, and b having opportunities the big 12 and then just not being able to lock it in and do it you know and they're tired of the conservative playmaking and you know they're tired of the on the field production being playing to not lose as opposed to playing to win and they also are just kind of over the off the field stuff they're like really (laughs) you know what's
0: up with him and and pistols firing that seems to be getting a little Test it between those two. Uh, uh,
2: they were the they were the people. One of their staff members was the person that posted the picture of Gandhi in the alien shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, and he 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 didn't think that that was very nice of them, basically. <laughs> um, and you know, pistols firing has been a little bit of. Hot water before with OSU for making uniforms that weren't supposed to be leaked yet. Okay. But that was kind of thrown under the bush, thrown in the bush, and it was, they were kind of over that. But then, you know, this happened. And so now they have a not great relationship. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. you know, I, I can't necessarily speak a whole lot about it because I'm not on the staff there, but, you sure. know, it does seem yeah. like they are not in as good terms with. Not only Mike Gundy, but with the intern, because of some decisions that they made that I don't necessarily agree or disagree with. I think that, you know, if it's going to be on Facebook, then, you know, they Mm -hmm. have the right to pull it and publish it. But, you know, I I don't necessarily think from a, would I have done it? Probably not, you know, type of situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ultimately, I think they'll, I think they'll eventually make up just like other things that have happened in the past with different media outlets, still kiss and make up, and it'll all be okay here mm-hmm. in yeah. probably a couple seasons, you know. But at this point, they are not his favorite,
0: <laughs> yeah, from what yeah.
2: I know. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. And just for some context for our listeners who may not know, this Blog is another pretty popular Oklahoma State blog, and I believe they had their football credential pulled because of that whole situation, right? But they're still able to go to other sports, is that correct?
2: I don't think they, as an entity, got their credential pulled. I think just certain staff members did. But don't quote me okay. on that. But I'm okay. pretty sure that's, that's what it. happened. Okay. I see. I see.
0: Well, you know, on the plus side with Mike Gundy, I don't know if you guys watched any of the Florida-Missouri game, but uh, as far as I know, Gundy hasn't tried to join a fight at midfield at halftime and Vader in his postgame press conference. <laughs> so
2: that was. Crazy. That <laughs> was fun
1: watching Mullen come out and like weirdly hype up the crowd, and <laughs> like I- I'm not sure what he was thinking, but got too much Florida in him now. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciate <laughs> the Darth Vader the show. Of a... of he's he's he- leaning he's now, into he's it. Now,
2: he's now a Florida man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: Gundy did almost get in a fight with Tom Herman last year.
1: <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Uh, I, I, I didn't remember saying that, but that, that doesn't surprise me.
2: But I think, I think it was just words. And then the assistant coaches walked up and were like, huh, we're not going to do. <laughs> we kind of pull them away from each other and calm down the situation. But yeah, you know, he, I, I think that that, that's something that if it happened with Gundy, I would be like, yeah, seems, seems about right, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But I'm glad, I'm glad that that hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah. And then I guess last thing before I ask you to make a prediction, you know, we made it this far without talking about it, but I always like to kinda of ask, you know, how do you think Oklahoma State has handled the the COVID situation and you know, the the safety protocols and all that?
2: Um, from a athletic standpoint, obviously what they're doing is working because I believe we've had two weeks now in a row with no new cases, which is awesome. It means that, you know, everyone is doing their part. I, I do see, I do see quite a bit of, you know, either people in the stands not necessarily wearing a mask. And if they are, it's like down at their mm-hmm. chin. And I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> and so, you know, I get that, you know, that's not necessarily under the athletic, compart- the athletic department's control. I know all they can do is say that, you know you have to you have to wear one it's not practical for them to have people walking around and you know enforcing that necessarily but you know from a protocol standpoint you know i think that they've implemented some good ideas you know they've created a a system or i guess they've contracted with someone a system to have where you can order concessions and things like that in the stadium through an app yeah. and then cool. you just go pick it up so there's there's no waiting in line which is nice you know and they have limited capacity which i think is smart obviously you know and i think that you know from an athletic side things are going fairly well you know we haven't seen a big uh baylor situation
0: (laughs) and no you you know you're you know number one quarterback in the country missing the game against your best biggest game of the year so that's good
2: (laughs) yeah so so from from a athletic standpoint i think they're doing really well and i mean the university as a whole is doing a fairly good job i feel pretty safe when i'm on campus you know i see you know a, a good percentage of mask wearing and i see you know people social distancing and things like that when i am on campus you know everybody's going out for thanksgiving and then they're not coming back for finals which i think is smart from the university's perspective so overall i've been fairly pleased with the way that they've handled things. And I think that it's resulted in good numbers. You know, they are keeping the cases within the athletic department really low.
0: All right. So do you want to make a prediction for
2: Saturday's game? Hmm. All right. So I don't see this being anything. Anything. Like, incredibly high scoring. I, hmm, let's see. Let's go with Oklahoma State, 35. K-State, 21. That's my prediction. Okay. I think that it's going to be back and forth for, you know, a couple of drives. But then Oklahoma State is going to kind of get their footing and get a fairly a fairly convincing win.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's reasonable. Seems reasonable. What do you think, JT?
1: Yeah, you know, I I don't think K State is as bad as we saw them play against West Virginia. Yeah, but I I still you know I feel like Oklahoma State's the favorite to win the conference, and they're definitely better than K State is at this point, just with everything they got going for them. But I'd probably go up just a little bit and add a couple field goals in there, go thirty-eight to twenty-four Oklahoma State. But it's I I think it'll feel closer than that. Uh, when it comes down to it, but with the back and forth, the way the teams are playing, but it'll end up, you know, being, it'll look like a comfortable win for Oklahoma State.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I think that that sounds about right. So, well, Micah, we appreciate you coming on. Twitter is, is it Micah Allen18?
2: Yes, that's my personal Twitter. And then the handle for the site is at CowboysRFF.
0: Okay, and people can follow your work on Free dot com. I do have one complaint about your coverage, and I'm a little biased because there's a kid from here on the team. But I see nothing on your site about Oklahoma State's men's cross country Big Twelve title on that they won on, on Friday.
2: So what, more cross country coverage, non- please.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> for the non the non revenue sports, we tend to kind of put them in a like weekly review type post so I will talk about that in our review post on Monday so I wish that we could cover everything but (laughs) there's only so much time that we have (laughs) all right all right I guess yeah
0: and it's so weird because now they have to wait until they don't have the NCAA championships until March because of this weird COVID schedule so it's kind of be yeah, it's a very it's, strange. It's
2: theory. interesting. And then soccer doesn't have mm-hmm. an NCAA tournament at all, which is kind of sad.
0: Yeah, that is sad. Interesting. All right. Well, Micah, thanks for joining us. And thanks, JT. Yeah.
2: Thank you guys all so right. much for having me. Yep. Take care. bye so